Bibles, please, to Psalm 9 for our first reading. Psalm 9, verse 1, hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. To the chief musician upon Mutlaben, a psalm of David, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou sattest in the throne, judging right. Thou hast rebuked the heathen, thou hast destroyed the wicked, thou hast put out their name forever and ever. O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end, and thou hast destroyed cities, their memorial is perished with them. But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. And he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death. That I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made in the net which they hid is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Higeon Selah. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Selah. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. The psalm title, as we were discussing before the service, is variously understood. Um, The literal translation of it would be, to the chief musician upon the death of the sun, mut laben. Mut means death, laben, the death concerning the sun. A psalm of David. Okay, so that's what it says. What does it mean? Well, it's difficult to know for certain. There are some commentators that would say that this, this psalm then was originally sung uh, to a tune that David wrote upon the death of his son that was the product of him and Bathsheba before they were married. 
And so upon the death of that son, David wrote this psalm. Or, upon the death of the son, perhaps speaking to Absalom, which may stand in a little bit more uh, good context with the psalm because the psalm recounts the enemies of God being brought down, and Absalom was certainly one of those enemies. Uh, There's an interesting uh, interpretation that is put forth by a godly commentator. Um, It is a purposeful spelling backwards of the letters that denote a fool. So Laben, if you turn that around, it means Nabal. You remember the man Nabal, and he was a fool. And so this would be David's writing upon the death of some particular fool, perhaps Nabal, perhaps someone else. I think probably not with, with, with regard to that interpretation of the title. <clears throat> and, and the reason would be that while, while Naval was, a, was an enemy of David's, really, he was mostly an enemy of everyone. And, and he never really threatened David, per se. So that doesn't seem to me to be the right interpretation, although that is put forth by some godly men. And so what, does, what is the psalm about overall? Well, it is about the people of God uh, applying themselves to God in times of difficulty, in times of trial, in times of threat, that the Lord will take up their cause, although sometimes they must wait long for that cause to be taken up. So we have patience, we have applying to God in faith, and so on. And that's what we'll see as we move through the psalm. So in the first verse, then, beyond the title, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. I want to emphasize three things in that. The first is my whole heart, all thy marvelous works, most high. In all of these superlatives, then, we have the attitude that is fitting of praising the Lord. It is the highest and best thing that we can do. It is the greatest activity to be involved in. And so the greatness of these terms, with my whole heart, all thy marvelous works, and thou most high. So three things there. Three, if you will, descriptive markers to point to the greatness of praise. Um, Then in verses uh, three through six, Notice, when mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. Not if, but when. When they are turned back. It's a good translation here. Um, It is because of the Lord's work, because of his presence and support in the midst of his people. The Lord is on the side of his people as their defender. And so let us remember that, that when we are under any kind of threat, when we are pursued for the sake of righteousness, not pursued for our own foolishness. We need that chastisement. That's help for us. But when we are pursued wrongly, still that is for our good. The Lord has a, has a purpose in it. Every persecution, every unjust persecution that have come upon the people of God throughout the history of redemption has come upon them for their good and God's glory. Every single one. Um, note the, the end of the wicked. He has a horrible end. They must literally face the Lord 
They will stand before his face. The Lord will judge them in righteousness, and the rebuking that they have already experienced will be brought to its fullness in that day. Then the psalmist will say that the Lord has destroyed them. And it's such a foregone conclusion that it is spoken of as already having taken place. And then the psalmist addresses the wicked, O enemy! Note that their destructions will be visited upon themselves, and their memorial shall be blotted out forever. I want to show you something in verse 6 so that you get the interpretation of it correctly. So verse 6 starts out, O enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end. Then it says, And thou hast destroyed cities, their memorial is perished with them. Uh, The thou there in verse 6 in the second half is God himself. In other words, there's a change of address there. David starts out addressing the, the enemy, O enemy, but then when he says, Thou hast destroyed cities, he has turned his sights toward God. God has shown himself faithful by destroying the cities of the wicked, of the enemies of God. So there's a change in the address there that I wanted you to see. Okay, so now um, in the next section, and I have that as verses 7 through 10, we have the Lord as contrasted to the wicked which pass away. The Lord endures. Right? The Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. They that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. And so he abides, and the wicked will indeed come to an end. His judgment, therefore, is just. Uh, he is a refuge for the oppressed, and he does not forsake those who seek him. And so we have a, we have a number of promises here that we can count on. Psalm 9 is a psalm to turn to in times of affliction, in time of trouble, in time of persecution, in time of being pursued for righteousness' sake, because we will be assured as we turn to Psalm 9 that the Lord is indeed caring for us. He has not forsaken us, and he will indeed uh, cause us to endure to the end of any temptation. All right, so then the psalmist turns his attention to praise in verse 11. Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion, Declare among the people his doings. So first of all, we have the people of God praising the Lord for his wonderful works. But notice one of the first wonderful works. He maketh inquisition for blood. He remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. The blood that is being pursued there by the Lord is the blood of his saints that have been unjustly handled by the wicked. 13 then, have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble which I suffer of them that hate me, thou that liftest me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. So verses 13 and 14 ask for deliverance and then give a proper response for that deliverance, to sing praise unto the Lord. Remember the the ten lepers. You remember that? The ten lepers? They were crying, have mercy on us, son of David. Ten of them are healed. Only one returns to give thanks to God. See, that's contrary to what we hear here. Have mercy on me, O Lord, verse 13, that I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. All right, so then, as we see often in the Psalter, verse 15 says that the the heathen, the, 
The Gentiles, those who know not God, in all of the snares that they have laid, they are only ensnaring themselves. Right? They lay, they lay that snare, they, they dig that pit, and they are fallen into it themselves. But the Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Then we have this curious phrase, Higeon Selah. You have a footnote in that, in your Bibles? You should have a footnote where Higeon says, uh, it'll, it'll be noted in the margin as meditation. This is where we conclude that the word Selah also means to pause for a kind of meditation as well, because they're coupled together here. But notice it is not simply a pause in the music. It is a call to consideration, to contemplation, because it also appears at the end of the psalm here in Psalm 20. So the word higeon, let me find it in my notes. Yeah. In Psalm 1914. Psalm 1914. What does it say? Let the words of my mouth and the higeon of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Okay, so higeon, what does it mean? was translated elsewhere as, uh, rightly, as meditation. So the end of the wicked then is again proclaimed, and the prayer of the afflicted, that the nations may know themselves to be but men, that is, the Gentiles... The, the, the uh, heathen, but let us not think of that only in terms of judgment because very often the Lord will bring a people low only in order to save them. Right? All right, so it is a psalm then that, uh, that speaks to us about patience. Listen to verses 8 and 9. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. And so uh, in, in that section, in other sections in this psalm, we hear about the proper response in times of affliction. And that is to take it as an opportunity to cry out to the Lord and to continue crying out to the Lord. Be like the widow in the, in, in the um, jurisdiction of the unjust judge, right? Uh, call out, cry out, petition the Lord. Don't give up. Don't, um, don't wear out in your prayers for the deliverance that you seek. Whether it's a besetting sin, a temptation, a difficult earthly temporal circumstance that, that, um, that uh, weakens your faith. Whatever that thing is. Uh, we, are, we are counseled here in Psalm 9 to bring it before the Lord and to continue to bring it before him. It will not be that way forever, the psalmist writes. And so we're counseled to patience there and to look forward to the time when the Lord will send deliverance. With that then, let's stand and call upon the Lord.